Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for allowing us to come into your presence today. Thank you for this blessed, blessed room. This blessed space. Thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the presence in this room. For the peace that you give us. For the life that is flowing in this room. For the energy that is flowing in this room. Thank you so much, Lord God, for what you have purpose in your heart concerning us. May you reveal publicly, Lord God, what you've revealed in secret concerning today's text. May you help us to understand it, Lord God. But more importantly, Lord God, help us to embrace it, to appropriate it, and live it out. Help us to be sanctified, to consecrate our lives more to you today. We love you, and these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Romans chapter 8, we're going to be reading in just a few moments from verses 5 through 10, but I want to open up with an introduction, um, sort of bring us up to to par. Uh, So far in this particular chapter, Paul has given us a lot of information regarding the believer's position in Christ. The believer's position in Christ. In Christ, And for weeks now, for months even, we've been talking about the justification that, that we enjoy today because of the sacrifice, the sinless, selfless sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. When we accepted Him as Lord and Savior, we were instantaneously, not over time, but instantaneously justified, declared righteous by God. Himself, if indeed we possess the Spirit of God within us. So objectively, we've talked about the finished work on the cross um, in order for Him to offer mankind salvation in Christ. But, but subjectively, which is equally important, we've been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And that's extremely important because there is no salvation apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to talk about that here today. So on the one hand, we've been talking about the finished work of the cross, which is glorious. But it means nothing, nothing to us if we haven't embraced it, if we don't know Jesus Christ personally. So in today's passage, Paul's topic is centered around the mindset of every person. The idea of a mindset. I don't understand why it does that. So, in this passage, notice, I want you to make note of this in your mind. Paul the Apostle, he divides people into two categories. This is very important to the text. He divides people into two categories. Number one, those who let themselves be controlled by their sinful nature. And number two, those who follow after the Holy Spirit. Those who have given their lives, their lives over to Christ, who possess the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of them. And as a result, these are individuals with a, with a unique mindset who actually live out the principles of the Word of God. That is what I refer to as the great divide or the great moral divide in Scripture with regard to the two um, categories of people. Look to Romans 8, 5 through 10. Romans 8, 5 through 10. 
For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. This, as I stated already, is a great moral divide. Two categories of people. Those who have given themselves over to God and those who have not. This passage is not talking about believers who are struggling with their carnal nature or their sinful nature. It's a distinction between believers and unbelievers. And Paul the Apostle is going to clear that up. When I first read this passage years ago, I thought that. Exactly what I just stated. That Paul the Apostle was referring to believers in in this text. Believers who were faithful and believers who were unstable because they were struggling with their faith. That's not the case at all. In fact, I confirmed this by reading a host of different commentary sets. And every single commentary, every single uh, source that I have read state the very same thing. It's a divide. It's a distinction being made between believers and unbelievers. The believer has a particular mindset. The unbeliever has a particular mindset of his own. And that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning. The distinction is as follows. Number one, believers have been blessed with the capacity to live life. Just think of that. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. We have been blessed with the capacity to live life. We have been blessed with the capacity to have peace with God. Just think about what took place on the cross. And then think about the transformation, the fundamental transformation that took place within you, in your soul, in your spirit, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I know we still struggle with some of the issues of old. Just because I've been serving the Lord 30 years does not mean that I am void of some of the issues that I struggled with before I came to Christ. It's a lifelong process. Now, granted, granted, most of the difficulties that I had are not a part of my life anymore. They, they just aren't. I'm a new creation. What is it Paul the Apostle stated in 2 Corinthians 5.17? Anybody quote that? 5.17. Don't be silent. This is the time. No? Go ahead and look it up if you have to. What's it say? 2 Corinthians 5.17. Amen. It's it's worth waiting for that. Because it's it's a beautiful description of the life of the believer. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... 
in Christ. That's, that's the operative phrase in there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this is the nature that you and I possess today. We've been given the capacity in Christ to actually fulfill God's purpose for our lives. And how is this possible? It's possible, it's possible because the believer has made a choice. The believer has made a choice to surrender his will over to God, which has resulted in a unique mindset. I'm going to repeat that phrase or that word mindset because I want you to remember that throughout this message. It's Paul's point here. Um, secondly, it's not the case with the unbeliever. This is not the case with the un unrepentant sinner. Number one, according to our text, they still possess an old mindset. And Paul the Apostle, I don't know about which version you're using, but in mine he uses the word carnal. The word carnal in the previous verses that we read. Maybe not the ones we read here today, but if you go over your text, Romans 8, you see the use of the word carnal. It's there for a reason. It's not referring to the believer who is struggling with stability. It's referring to a unique mindset. It's referring to unbelievers, that particular camp, if you will, of people. They are still living according to the old mindset. It's a determination to live out the desires of the flesh. And I'm going to repeat that. It's a determination, a determination to live out the affections or the desires of the flesh. Now, let's, let's restate some of that already. There are two groups of people, believers and non-believers. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. It doesn't mean that those of us who are believers are incapable of sinning. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that those of us who are believers are incapable of this. I mean, that we actually have this struggle in the body. In the flesh. We still do. But it's making a distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. Because in Christ Jesus we have a new mindset. I wrestle with it from time to time. But I have this natural inclination now to do the things that are pleasing in God's sight. Whereas before I came to Christ, the only thing I could do was carry out the affections of my flesh. Does that make sense? Those are the two camps. <clears throat> when a person is determined to do something or to hold to a certain belief or idea, we say that that person has a certain mindset. A mindset determines how a person acts. Isn't that true? A mindset determines or mindset motivates a person. A mindset influences whom or what a person chooses as source of knowledge and authority. A mindset affects a person's view of every experience. A mindset shapes a person's value system. And finally, a mindset dominates a person's private and public life. It's the reason why there's a vast distinction between the believer and the unbeliever. Listen to verse 5 and the contrast that Paul the Apostle makes here. The verse reads, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. 
for those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. My first point here, the subtitle is death. I titled it, or subtitled it, death. And I did so because Paul the Apostle makes a description here of the unbeliever. Note, look at the verse again. It says, they that are after the flesh. Who's it talking about? According to what I've laid out already, it's talking about the unbeliever. They that are after the flesh. They have a particular mindset, Paul the Apostle is saying here. The meaning here is on the immoral position of the unsaved. The immoral position of the unsaved. The mindset is set, the mindset is that they have determined to set their affections on the sins of the flesh. It's not talking about the believers. We talked about that already. And we know that from this particular text where Paul is clearly contrasting believers and unbelievers on the basis of moral position. Remember, I stated that a number of times already. It's not about struggling believers. It's about believers and unbelievers. And I want to show this to you. Look at verses 8 and 9. We're going to jump ahead for just a moment because I want you to see this. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Stop right there. Is it talking about a struggling believer? It can't possibly be. Because the believer has the righteousness of Christ in him. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, now he's talking about the believer. He's transitioning now. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. That's the distinction. I think in my mind it's clear. Two different camps here. So, with that concept in mind, let's clarify the distinctions mentioned in verse 5. Number one, the believer is focused upon satisfying himself with the, the unbeliever. I'm sorry. The unbeliever is focused upon satisfying himself with the passions of the sinful nature. That is the driving force of the unbeliever. And it's very well possible that the unbeliever, anybody, any, any unbeliever whatsoever, especially the unbeliever who was raised in a good home, the unbeliever who has received a thorough and lengthy education. Well, when you consider those individuals, from the natural perspective, everything looks to be in order. But how about the things that are, do, that are done in secret by those individuals? You and I don't know. Yes, of course, the believer struggles in secret as well. But there is nonetheless a fundamental distinction between the unbeliever and the believer. The Bible makes such a distinction that it actually declares that one day good people will go to hell. People who chose to reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, for whatever reason, will end up in the lake of fire. That's what the Bible teaches. And yet, those of us who are believers, those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, regardless of whether you ever see yourself perfect or not, regardless of whether you ever overcome that one thing that you're struggling with here today, if you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells within you, there's going to come a time when you will hear the words, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the Christ in you. So my salvation is based upon solely, completely, bottom line, upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
That's the beauty of justification. Amen. Amen. I don't have to work to be saved. I didn't have to work to earn it, and I don't have to work to keep it. All I have to do is just keep my eyes fixed on King Jesus. Secondly, with that concept in mind, with regard to the two camps, believers, concerning believers, believers are focused upon spiritual matters. We are, we have this innate drive to please God. We're not perfect at it, but we're moving in the direction we're supposed to because we have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. And as we continue pressing forward, the Holy Spirit is always going to be present to help us along, to give us the strength that we need. Amen, somebody. Amen. The emphasis, look, let, me, let, me read, let me read a verse, let me read this to you. It says, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds, set their minds, set their minds. On the things of the Spirit. And the better we do so, the better at it we will be. But that's not the, that's not the text, the context here. It's talking about the distinction between the believer and the unbeliever, the two camps. The emphasis is on the idea that both parties are doing what comes naturally to them. I'm serving the Lord today. It's been 30 plus years that I've been serving the Lord. I'm moving forward. Why? It's because it's coming naturally to me. Because I know Jesus. Because I am saved. And that is the case with you as well. You may not be where you want to be in your faith. But you're definitely not where you used to be either. Amen somebody. You're not where you used to be. The unbeliever because of his mindset. Cannot help living out his sinful nature. However Paul's description of the believer is uniquely different. Point number two, I've subtitled this just simply life. We're talking about the believer here now. The believer with the presence of the Holy Spirit is able to live out the principles of God's Word. Just think of that. The believer, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, is able to live out the principles of God's Word. Am I keeping them perfectly? No, that's not the, no, not, not at all. Not at all. Just ask my wife. Right? But I am fundamentally different from the unbeliever, from the person who doesn't know Christ. That's why it's important to know Jesus. Religion doesn't offer you that. Religion offers you philosophy and culture and traditions and all those other isms that come to no end, no avail whatsoever. It's a form of godliness, but there's no life in it whatsoever. This is the beauty of Christianity. The beauty of, of those of us who are in the camp where our mindset is set on the things of the Spirit. Because we possess the Spirit on the inside of us. Which, by the way, is supposed to be the normal Christian life. You remember? Let me see your hand if you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus. Come on, let me see your hand when you gave your heart to Jesus. Maybe not the hour, maybe not even the day. But you remember the neighborhood, right? You remember that. I, I don't remember the day. I don't. I used to. I know it was the second week of November in 1989. Second week of November in 1989. It's been a long time. When I made that decision, here's the point. Because Paul gets into this right now. 
When I made that decision, my intention was to surrender my life over to God. That was my intention. I didn't want salvation and then to turn around and go continue living my life on my own terms. That's not the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is rooted in a, in a particular unique mindset. A mindset rooted in that theme, in surrender. That's why we selected it, the elders of the church. Because we want to focus on the things that pertain to God and not the things of this world. Why? Because of our mindset. It's different. I can't afford to live according to the pattern of my past life. I'm not that sinner any longer. As believers, we should naturally gravitate to the Bible. As believers, we should naturally gravitate to prayer. As believers, we should naturally gravitate to fellowship and most certainly towards elevating righteousness in our lives. As believers, we have to be different. We have to be distinct from the unbeliever because the Spirit of God lives within us. The standard on this side is different from the standard on the other side. It's a high standard. It's a high standard. But there's no longer condemnation in our life. We're okay. Let the standard be as high as God wants it to be. In Christ, I am able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what... You know what I'm saying, right? In Christ, we can overcome. Turn over with me to Ephesians 4. I want you to see something here. Ephesians 4. Say amen when you have it. Really? That fast? You had your finger on it already, right? You saw my notes. This is um, Ron Muir's favorite book. <laughs> you see that? See? Got my eyes on you, bro. Got my eyes on you. You have to say amen. Okay, look at verses 22 through 24. This is concerning the believer. This is an admonition by Paul the Apostle. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Highlight that. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. It says, put off the mindset that is conditioned after our formal lives, and it says, put on the mindset that is rooted in Christ Jesus. But, but this is a distinction from what I've already stated from Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is, is dividing people in two camps. Believers and unbelievers. And as a result, each particular individual has a particular mindset. The unbeliever, the unrepentant, unregenerated person has no choice but to possess, possess an old mindset. The mindset that's geared towards the satisfaction of the sinful nature and its pleasures. The believers over here, we are absolutely different from those over there. We have a unique mindset today, right? So that's what it's saying in Romans 8. In Ephesians, the particular passage we just mentioned, is an admonition added to those of us who are in this camp over here. It's an admonition. Just because we are saved doesn't mean that we get to live the way we want to live. 
We're going to get into that because Paul talks about that in this particular chapter. We have to put off the old and put on the new. We're talking about attitudes and passions and desires, determination. You have to know what you want in the things that pertain to God. Or rather know today as believers that you're supposed to pursue the things of God. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that's that mindset that we're supposed to have as believers. I'm supposed to walk by the Spirit. How do we walk by the Spirit? Learn the Word of God, read the Word of God, and determine to live accordingly. Now I want you to turn to a passage, Philippians chapter 4, because I need you to see this before I move on. I need you to see this. Now, time is like fleeting. Philippians 4.8. Say amen when you find it. Philippians 4.8. The mindset of the believer. The mindset of the believer. It says, finally, brothers... And sisters, by the way. They're both in there. (laughs) Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. you got to underline that, highlight it. Tattoo it on your forehead. Whatever you have to do. This is the mindset of the believer. It's distinct from the believer's, unbeliever's mindset. Look at verse number 6, Romans 8. Romans 8. Verse 6. It says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Notice both camps, both mindsets. The believer and the unbeliever there. The subtitle that I have listed here for point number three is natural behavior. Natural behavior. Notice that the verse begins with the word for, F-O-R, for. The obvious reason is because the following information that Paul the Apostle is going to give us in this verse and in this text um, is the explanation for what preceded it, for everything that I stated already concerning both camps. In other words, this verse reveals why the believer and the non-believer are able to behave so naturally. I talked about that already. Number one, it says, the verse says, to set the mind on the flesh is death. And secondly, it says, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's not, it doesn't say to set the mind on the flesh will lead to death, or that to set the mind on the spirit will lead to life in peace. Is it saying that? No, that's not what it's saying at all. It says, to, it says to set the mind on the flesh is death. It's talking about a condition 
of an individual or a group of people. To set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It could not mean or it could not be a reference to a believer, once again, who is struggling with some sin in his or her life. Because it says death there. And we know that sin has been canceled from our lives and there is no death. In fact, when you read the book of Revelation, it says that the believer only suffers one death. That's a physical death, and that is it. And the reasons for that is because there's still a legal demand upon this body. It's not perfect. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your body did not take on immortality. Or did it not? Did it? No, it didn't, in no way, shape, or form. Sin, sin still resides in this body. It's, it's nature is the reason why we wrestle with sin from time to time. But in the inner man, where it matters the most, I've been justified. I've been declared righteous. I've been sanctified. And as a result, one day, I, one day we get to go to heaven. And we get to spend eternity with God. Amen. Amen. So, it's a natural behavior. The unbeliever lives as he does because there is no life. In him. That's what Paul the, Paul the Apostle meant by death. To set the mind on the flesh is death. Read a commentary set if you're wrestling with this and you see that it's referring to the unbeliever. The unbeliever lives as he does because there is no life in him. Death is the fundamental component of his or her life. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 18, I'll read it to you. Stay right where you are. Ephesians 4.18 says, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. I'm going to read it again. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. It's talking about unbelievers. It's their nature. So the next time you consider the drug dealer down the street from your home, don't be so critical. Because he or she is behaving naturally because of sin in the person's life. What we should do, on the other hand, is to pray for that person. Pray for their soul. Pray for their salvation. So that somehow they can develop the, that, that unique sensitivity that you and I developed moments before we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, hearing by the word of God. Somebody shared faith with me, the word of God with me, and something exploded on the inside of me. Jesus was knocking at the door of my heart and he offered me salvation. Thank you, Lord. The believer has no condemnation upon him because he is filled with the life of Christ. Therefore, they have peace with God and are able to live out a life that pleases Him. That's the difference between both parties. Now, I want you to go to Romans 5.1, quickly. Just a couple of chapters to your left. And I want you to understand this about the believer. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a reality in principle. In principle. Objective truth. 
Based on what Jesus Christ did for us, we have been given the opportunity to be declared righteous by God himself. It's a positional statement. It's a reality for the believer. It's a moral positional statement. So moral re- it's a reality concerning our moral position. I am declared righteous. I, am, I have been justified. I don't have to do anything to earn my place in the kingdom of God. It's been done for me by God, by Christ himself. Amen, somebody. That, that's a good deal right there, right? I think that's a good opportunity to bless the Lord. I'm thinking Ephesians 2, another Ron's favorite passage. Ephesians 2.89. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of your own. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's his doing. He offers us a free gift. I was preaching one time in South Jersey, and I wanted to make a point concerning this, this gift. The irony is that it was during this time, it's actually the month of February, it was a Valentine's Day service in the high school. I may have touched on this once before. Long story short, when I was making the invitation, it was the entire student body of the school. Go figure. And I was making an invitation and I took a $5 bill out of my pocket. And I offered it to this one young lady. But I didn't extend my hand. I didn't go to her. I stayed on the stage, about a 10 foot stage high. I mean, it's like really up there. And I made the young girl figure it out in her head. So finally, oh, well, wait a minute. He's keep, he keeps saying it's mine, it's mine. Well, I need to go get it then. I wasn't going to her. Say, so, young lady, this is yours. Young lady, this is yours. And I found it like a broken record. Young lady, this is yours. Until finally the adults in the room realized what I was doing. Go get it, go get it, go get it. And she ran up the stage, came around me and a little apprehensive. Young lady, this is yours. And it wasn't until she took it that it became hers. God has created an opportunity for mankind to be saved. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Don't earn it. You can't earn it, baby. Just receive it. Just accept it. It's the beauty of God's love for all of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Philippians 4, 7 reads, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now this one is in practice. The first verse that I read to you, Romans 5, 1, is the principle, in print, salvation in principle. This one here, Philippians 4, 7, is the peace of God in practice. That's the subjective truth. And when we give our lives over to Christ, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, He helps us in this journey called life. We subject ourselves over to the will of God through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now I got you. You forgive me, but I want to race along here a little bit. Seven and eight, Romans eight, verse seven and eight. Romans eight, seven and eight. Paul goes on to describe the death that exists. In those who are unsaved. Remember that. Paul the Apostle goes on to describe the death that exists in those who are unsaved. He says there's hostility. That's my fourth point here. Subtitle. Hostility. 
The verse reads, or verses rather, read, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The word is hostility. It means a hatred, a battle, an argument, a war of opposing sides without any peace in sight. It's described as a hatred. The mindset of the unbeliever within the unbeliever is a hatred to God, a hatred to the things that pertain to God. How were you? What was your life like before you came to Christ? What was your life like? Even though some of you look like you were really, really decent people. Hmm. Look like you were really decent people before you came to Christ. Right? But there were probably some instances in your life when, when maybe an invitation to church was made by a friend, and you, nah, I really don't want to, I'm really not into that. How many remember ever, ever making a declaration like that? Nobody? You're in denial, I tell you. You don't want to put your hand up so people don't see. See, Vet put his hand up back there, because he knows he was a heathen and a half. Listen, I was that way. I, I, listen, I'll be, I'll be frank with you. No, listen, don't bother with me. I'm not into that, man. I'm, no, listen. Get out of my face with that stuff. That's what I was like. Get out of my face with that stuff. Why? Because my deeds were evil and I didn't want to come into the light. That person in Christ was exposing me. And, and I felt vulnerable. I felt naked. I didn't want to step into the light. Jesus said that. Right? You don't want to come into the light if, because your deeds are evil so that, you don't, so that you're not exposed. It's the nature of the unbeliever. There's a hostility toward God. Note what it says. It doesn't exist because God is at fault in some way or because he is contributing to its existence. Hostility. It exists because the unbeliever has a nature that cannot submit to God's law. Look at the verses. A nature that cannot submit to God's law. That's what it says. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Does that sound like a believer who is struggling? It's talking about unbelievers here. Look up your favorite commentary set and it will confirm it. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 6 says, don't look, at, don't look for it, I'm going to read it. Ephesians 5 6 it says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I'm talking about hostility. There are, there are sins that are being committed by the individuals in this world who do not know Jesus yet. Who haven't been regenerated. There's an enmity. A war that exists between themselves and God. And as a result, the wrath of God abides upon them, is what Paul the Apostle says. It's the idea that God is holy and that the sin in the unbeliever's life hasn't been dealt with yet. There's an enmity that exists. And as, as a result, Paul tells us in verse 8 that they cannot please God. The unbeliever, the person with a carnal mindset, cannot please God. Cannot please God. And ultimately they're going to suffer 
two types of death. A physical death, which we will all face, the price of the passport, but then the second death. Just after the great white throne judgment, when all sinners, all unrepentant sinners, will be hurled into the lake of fire, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation 21.8 says, i got to stop here. Romans 21.8 But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion would be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Can I get the worship team to come up at this time? Next week we'll pick up at verses 9 and 10. 9, 10, 11, and so forth. Verses 9 and 10, actually, Paul the Apostle begins to talk about the positional, that's the subtitle, positional truth for the believers. Stand with me, church. Stand with me. And think about the privilege that we have in Jesus. I know that you're tired, I know that you're hungry. Some of you, maybe one of you at least, you have a roast in the oven to get to. We'll get there when we get there, right? We're still here. Think about this. Be faithful to God this morning with what you've heard. Think about the privilege that we've been given as believers. The great distinction that exists in your life and mine. If we know Him. Do you know Jesus this morning? Have you confessed your sins to Him? Have you repented of your sins rather? Is the Spirit of God dwelling within you? Has, have you been marked by God? Have you been marked by heaven? Do you know Him here this morning? Because if you do, you are a special person here today. Regardless of what you're struggling with here today. We all struggle with something. But if you know Him, you are a special person. You are a unique person. We are part of the family of God. What is it Peter said? A, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. We are children of the Most High God. That means something. So when we worship during this last song, make sure you worship in spirit and in truth, because God is worthy of it. Amen. Amen. It's not the case for the unbeliever. The unbeliever doesn't have this liberty. This doesn't mean anything to the unbeliever. Go to church. What? Are you insane? Because it doesn't mean anything to them. They take advantage of this worship song. Amen. Amen.
thank you today. We thank you so much for the liberty you give us to worship. We thank you for the capacity to worship you today. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much. The administrator of the gospel this side of heaven. We thank you so much, Lord God, for your presence in our lives. And for, for what you're doing in our lives. For fashioning us out according to your holy word. May you continue to strengthen us. May you continue to lead us and guide us and instruct us in the things that pertain to you and you alone. May you help us with this topic or this subject of the godly mindset or the mindset of the believer, the child of God. Help us, Father God, to to mind heavenly things and not earthly things. Help us to pursue the things that pertain to you, Lord God. Help us to elevate righteousness in our lives. To live the way that you will have us to live. So that you can continue your impact upon our lives. But so that you can use us to make a difference in the lives of those around us who do not know you. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. See you guys next week.